Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. one of the few realist novels that France has today. You know, French literature, you know, it turned with the, with the new novel in the 50s and 60s. It became hyper-conscious about the act of writing. Um, uh, writers still produce the same kind of sentimental tales of people going off for summer vacation and having an affair at the beach and coming back and changing their lives, maybe a little, maybe not. You know, the, the, the novels are as dull as French movies generally are today. And here comes someone who is, offers this hyper-real, and by hyper-real I mean as if you're living under Klieg lights and every pimple and every scar on the French body becomes uh, evident. And uh, because uh, he has no competitors in that kind of realism, uh, people have been uh, really taken with him. Also, is offering you know the uh, the picture of the way uh, the French live now, and so th- th- there's been a um, uh, an abandonment of of this kind of writing uh, in the French literary establishment, which not only has allowed him to develop this reputation, which is entirely deserved, but also to perhaps skew the French view of uh, their own present. Reactionaries are not conservatives. That's the first thing to understand about them. His story begins with a happy, well-ordered state where people know their place in harmony and submit to tradition and to God. Then alien ideas promoted by intellectuals, writers, journalists, professors challenge this harmony and the will to maintain order weakens at the top. The portrayal of elites is the linchpin of every reactionary story. A false consciousness soon descends on the society as a whole as it willingly, even joyfully heads for destruction. Only those who have the preserved memories of the old ways see what is happening. Today, political Islamists, European nationalists and the American right tell their ideological children essentially the same tale. The reactionary mind is a shipwrecked mind. The militancy of his nostalgia is what makes the reactionary a distinctly modern figure. The unsettling and judicious words of American writer, journalist and scholar Mark Lilla from his latest book, The Shipwrecked Mind on Political Reaction, published by the New York Review of Books. Hello, how are you? And you're very welcome to Talking Books. I'm Susan Cahill. It's lovely to have your company this evening. Do we all suffer from a bit of political nostalgia? And why do some political leaders have an apocalyptic view of contemporary life? Well, on tonight's show, we're going to unpack those questions with Mark Lilla, Professor of Humanities at Columbia University and the author of The Stillborn God, Religion, Politics and the Modern West and The Reckless Mind, Intellectuals in Modern Politics. This is a show about the origins of populism, the history of ideas and the politics of nostalgia. My name is Mark Lilla. I'm a writer and professor in New York City. I was trained in the history of ideas and have devoted most of my academic career to studying the modern enlightenment and especially its critics. Uh, 
when I put my other hat on, I'm a liberal journalist here in, uh, in the United States and write quite frequently for the New York Review of Books and for the New York Times on contemporary politics. In the past year or so, uh, these two uh, these two jobs have somehow come together since the, the rise of uh, the populism of Donald Trump. And lately, I've been trying to put the new populism both in the United States and in Europe into the context of a longer tradition of reactionary thought. And that is what uh, ended up uh, inspiring me to write my most recent book, The Shipwreck. What a fascinating book, The Shipwreck Mind, uh, Mark. It's uh, not only hugely engaging, but it's also very challenging and it's so relevant to where we're going uh, today. I might throw you a big wide open question to start off with. Do you think political nostalgia is a form of self-deception? And will in all of that, do you think political nostalgia has a sort of a psychological grip over us? Yes, uh, nostalgia is actually a quite fascinating psychological phenomenon, uh, which I've studied a bit. And the history even of the term, it's only in the 17th century that uh, the term nostalgia was um, concocted by a Swiss physician who was interested in understanding why particularly Swiss soldiers who were fighting in various wars in Europe as mercenaries suddenly became incapable of fighting, were very depressed, and needed to be sent back home. And it was the first time that this condition was really sort of medicalized and studied by uh, the scholars of the day, and that continues up until uh, the present. It turns out this nostalgia is a very complicated psychological uh, condition to fall into. Um, it is not only a yearning for uh, for what's uh, been lost or a yearning for home. Um, It's also a a sort of springboard, you might say, for thinking um, about the future. So nostalgia is a kind of trap. I mean, it's, uh, as I think you're suggesting in your question, that um, we're always thinking about the present and the future in terms of what happened in the past. And we can borrow from the past, we can learn from the past, we can argue about what actually happened in the past. Uh, but something happens to certain minds where they're so dissatisfied uh, or feel so lost, especially lost, I think, in the present, that they go looking around for, for something to hold on to. And what they hold on to is an image of the past that is cleaned up, uh, that doesn't have any complexity or contradictions, uh, 